It is now my distinct pleasure to introduce our featured guest. As many of you will remember, Minister Sousa last addressed the Empire Club of Canada this past winter. He spoke then eloquently about the importance of managing the province's finance, finances with compassion and in a way that would continue to build a strong Ontario. You'll also remember that he last spoke with us during a time of minority governments. Ah, how times have changed. <laughs> Fast forward to today. We now have a government that has been given a majority mandate to lead Ontario for the next four years and to implement the government's plan to create jobs, invest in transit and infrastructure, and ensure a secure retirement for Ontarians. Charles Sousa was a key architect of the economic platform that resulted in his party's overwhelming electoral victory. Today's lunch comes at a particularly interesting time. As you know, it was only a few weeks ago that our speaker was once again returned to Queen's Park by the people of Mississauga South and subsequently reappointed as Ontario's finance minister. Today, he is days away from tabling the government's ambitious budget. It is truly a privilege to have him speaking with us once again. Ladies and gentlemen, the Honourable Charles Sousa. Thank you, Andrea, and congratulations. Do you know this is Andrea's first public appearance as president of the Empire Club? Congratulations on doing a good job. Thank you. And thank you also to the Empire Club for this opportunity. You know, I recently did some research, actually, and the Empire Club has been hosting talks like this for over 111 years. You know that 111 years ago, Panama became independent. 111 years ago, the Wright brothers flew their first plane. And 111 years ago, a young Jim Bradley was first elected to Queen's Park. <laughs> Now, I, I'm joking, of course. It was much earlier than that. <laughs> I'd also particularly like to thank our new Associate Minister of Finance, Mitzi Hunter, who will be implementing our Ontario Retirement Pension Plan. <laughs> and my new parliamentary assistant, Lara Albanese, who's also chair of our caucus, and she's here today too. Lara, thank you so much. And of course, I'd like to thank all of you. I thank you for being here today, for the work you do, the, the jobs that your work supports, and for taking the time, and more importantly, for taking the interest in the future of our province. And speaking of that future, as Andrew just mentioned a few weeks ago, we welcomed 19 new members to Queen's Park. 19. And let me tell you, their, their enthusiasm, their passion for our province, their skills and their insights are inspiring. The election speaks itself of the strength of our democratic institutions and that of so many good people from all parties. They continue to come forward to serve and be elected to represent their constituents. And of course, I'm particularly happy that more of those new people were liberals. <laughs> and, and some of them are here, and I, and I know we've acknowledged some, but 
you got to take time to, to, to express your gratitude to some of the newest members of our caucus, of our team in the legislature. They include Hong Dong, I believe is here. <laughs> Arthur, Arthur Potts is here as well. <laughs> Sophie Kuala. Eleanor McMahon. <laughs> and Peter Milchen. Some of the old guys are here too, like Bob Shirelli and Mario Sergio. We also have the finance critic from the conservative government, Vic Fidelli, is here as well. Thank you, Vic. I'm looking forward to serving our province with, with them, all of them, along with many colleagues from all sides of the House charting a strong course for the future. And folks, that's what I'm here to talk to you about today. And I want to talk to you about looking ahead at a strong future for Ontario. And but before I do, I want to set the stage just a bit. I want to tell you about the ways we're already strong right now. Over the next four years, the private sector is forecasting economic growth in Ontario to more than double from 1.3% to 2.7% by 2017. That's good news and that's encouraging. I see some bureaucrats from the Ministry of Finance. Please take note, it's encouraging. Take those happy pills. <laughs> They're great too, by the way. And we're always a little bit more conservative, Vic, when it comes to these forecasts because we want to take a measured approach. But since the recessionary lows in 2009, Ontario has created more than 450,000 net new jobs. And last year alone, Ontario employment increased by almost 100,000 jobs. Ontario's unemployment rate has now declined to 7.3%, well below the recessionary highs of 9.4%, and we want to do better. And the, the global economic growth is set to improve in 2014, particularly in the United States. Economists say that Ontario is well positioned for continued growth over the next 10 years largely based on areas where we are already strong. Take financial services, for example. Since the start of the global recession, Canadian, and specifically Ontario financial institutions, have stayed strong. And thanks to a healthy regulatory environment and a competitive culture, our financial services sector has hired about 80,000 people in the last 10 years. And recognizing its importance, Ontario has led with British Columbia and now Saskatchewan and New Brunswick to establishing a cooperative securities regulator as opposed to the federal government imposing a separate regulator. The cooperative regulator will help make our capital market systems more competitive and efficient nationally and globally. Revenues across the sector are strong. Last year alone, Ontario Financial Services contributed $54.3 billion to real GDP. In fact, these financial institutions are helping to attract new investments from around the world. Ontario is now first in North America when it comes to foreign direct investment. We've beaten now California, Texas, New York, and every other province as a result. And we have a strong presence around the globe with our international trade offices. And this fall, our government will be conducting a trade mission to China, led by the Premier. <laughs> 
Ontario is also growing in the new economy. We have a promising aerospace sector, food and data processing, and biomedical. In biomedical, we have seen growth of 127% across the sector in the last 20 years, supporting about 16,000 jobs. And again, in construction, here in the GTA, we have over 200,000 jobs in the sector. That contributes $14.6 billion a year to GDP. But you don't need stats for that. Just look out any window in any direction, almost anywhere in downtown Toronto, you will see growth. In some parts of the GTA, it's very, very fast. And if we want that growth to continue, and all of us do, governments at all levels need to support that growth. Let me explain. For the past 30 years, I've commuted from my home in Mississauga to work. And like so many others, on jammed highways and trains. I've suffered from something I'd like to call acute traffic congestion. It hurts. It's an unpleasant condition that keeps you away from your families and limits your ability to get around. An acute traffic congestion already costs our economy about $6 billion a year in the GTHA alone. That means our infrastructure is over capacity right now. And if we don't build more public transit and roads and bridges to service the growth that is already happening, not to mention the demand we know is coming, we would be strangling the golden goose of the Ontario economy. That, that's not acceptable. And that's why we need to invest in infrastructure. This is not an option or an add-on or something that's nice to have. It is targeted critical investment that only government can provide. It's an absolute economic necessity. Just like eliminating the deficit is an absolute economic necessity. That's why our budget does both. It lays out a smart, practical, and, and necessary investments that we must make to maintain our competitive advantage and to keep our economy growing such as the $130 billion that we're investing in infrastructure over the next 10 years, while at the same time laying out a clear path to balance by 2017-18. And make no mistake, we are determined. We are resolved. We will meet that deadline. Now I know that rating agencies have looked at our plan, and some have given their preliminary opinions about it. Some believe our deficit targets are ambitious and have expressed concern about our determination to meet those targets. I accept that. It's their job. And it's my job and that of our government to deliver on our plan, the plan we introduced and the plan Ontarians supported in the election, to strengthen our economy, create jobs, and eliminate the deficit. We are on track to beat our deficit target for the fifth year in a row. This means that over the last five years, Ontario's debt is $24 billion lower than originally projected. Since 2010-11, our growth in program spending has been held to an average of 1.4% per year. That's the lowest anywhere in Canada. And over the next three years, average growth in program spending will be less than 1.1% a year far surpassing any other province. Ladies and gentlemen, 
we will cut expenses where we can. We will invest where we must. And together with the new president of the Treasury Board, Deb Matthews, we will review spending to identify which programs should be enhanced or reduced while transforming public services to make them more efficient. We will stick to our target of reducing Ontario's net debt to GDP ratio to its pre-recession levels of 27%. We will stick to our plan that strengthens Ontario, not just now, but for the decade ahead. It starts with jobs. The global competition for new investments has never been more cutthroat. So to help secure new investments, we're creating a new $2.5 billion Jobs and Prosperity Fund. This 10-year fund will help Ontario attract external investment in new and growing sectors to help create good jobs here, at home, and in the private sector. And in speaking of the private sector, it is time that government sold some of its private sector holdings. Governments do not need to be passive investors or landlords. While it made sense at the time to invest in General Motors to protect an important industry and safeguard good jobs, the government doesn't need to keep a stake in the company. By selling Ontario's interest in the shares of GM, we can reinvest taxpayer money into the proposed Trillium Trust, dedicated to new infrastructure projects that create more jobs. We will also look at maximizing and unlocking value from other government assets, like real estate, like the OPG, like Hydro One and the LCBO. Unlocking the full value of these assets would mean improved efficiency and enhanced performance. We'll sweat their income statements to extract more value from them for the benefit of taxpayers, you are the shareholders. The council conducting the review will be led by retiring group president and CEO of TD Bank, Mr. Ed Clark, as many of you already know. And these measures, as well as others, will help ensure Ontario's economy grows stronger today for the future while protecting public ownership and public interests for future generation. And there's one more part of the plan that we need to do right away in order to secure a stronger future. And that's retirement security and reforming pensions. It's one of the top priorities for our government. In fact, that is why we have appointed a new associate minister solely responsible for implementing this plan. We have to protect the earnings and the future of middle-class Ontarians. The Canada Pension Plan does not do that. The gap between what the CPP provides and what people need is immense. You cannot lead a middle-class life on less than $12,500 of pension income. So what we're proposing is an Ontario retirement pension plan for those two-thirds of Ontarians who don't have a workplace pension. The ORPP will do two things. First, together with the CPP, it could provide an annual lifetime benefit of up to $25,000, roughly doubling the retirement benefit workers would receive under CPP alone. That's good for workers. They need that stability and that income. Second, the ORPP would make more capital available for all of us 
to invest in our economy. It would be a useful source of funding to promote more investments and address the infrastructure challenges that we face to enhance productivity and to make sure our economy continues to grow. We will introduce our Made in Ontario plan by 2017, and the groundwork is already beginning. Furthermore, we will offer more voluntary saving options and promote more benefit choices. And that's why we will introduce legislation for pool registered retirement pension plans this fall as well. Folks, let me tell you something. My early years were in Kensington Market, just down the street, in a small business environment. My dad was a local wholesaler. I think I've spoken about him before. He had a knack for making a sale, for seeing an opportunity and seizing it to provide us with more secure and a more secure future. And he wasn't alone. There were other small business owners in, in the neighborhood, just like him, each trying to make a living, to provide for their families, while looking out for one another. And I learned a lot from being around these kings of Kensington. They were the business leaders of the day, men and women changing the world to provide for more opportunity. They learn the art of business by living it. They were competitive. And they were also compassionate. And it seems to me, it always seems to me, that this is what makes Ontario so great. We are all about competitiveness and compassion, opportunity and security. Investing today for a better tomorrow. And if we continue to get this balance right, if we continue to maintain our competitive edge while investing in the priorities that not only make us economically strong, but also makes us a more caring and fair society, we will lead the world in all the ways that matter. And that's why, that's why we're reducing costs for auto insurance for Ontarians. Over the next two years, the average reduction will be 15%. And next week, I'm going to take further action by reintroducing legislation to continue to reduce costs in the system. So, now imagine a GTA with transit that works so that people can get to work more safely, more quickly. Imagine our workers retiring after long careers with enough to maintain their lifestyle. Imagine strong schools preparing our young people for the new skills of tomorrow and hospitals protecting our families, all within a balanced budget. Folks, if we work hard, and if we work together, we will make it happen. That Ontario is our plan, and that Ontario is in our reach. Thank you all so much for being here today. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tina Arvanitas to thank our guest. Tina. Ms. President, distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen, I have the honor to express 
Our thanks to Minister Souza for joining us today and speaking so passionately about the future of Ontario. Just weeks ago, the minister was re-elected as a part of a historic majority government, and yet he's already full swing back in the job. I know his office is in full budget mode. Clearly, Minister Souza and this government is wasting no time getting down to business. So we appreciate you taking time today out of your busy schedule to join us. We thank you for your economic leadership, Minister, and look forward to working with your government over the next four years. It has been a privilege to have you as our guest speaker today at the Empire Club of Canada, and we hope to have you join us again soon. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in a round of applause for Minister Souza. I'd like to extend a few final thanks before you, before you have your lunch. Uh, thank you to our generous sponsors. Uh, the event sponsor today was KPMG. Our associate sponsor was Bruce Power. The VIP reception sponsor was Morrison Park Advisors. I'd also like to thank the National Post as our print media sponsor and Van Valkenburg for providing our AV. This meeting will be carried and aired on Rogers TV. We're very grateful to them for their ongoing support. We're on Twitter and Facebook, as well as online at www.empireclub.org. Thank you all for coming. Lunch will be served now. Please enjoy your meal and join us again in September when our new season begins. Happy summer, everyone. <laughs>